Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Sports Talk Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Hello, everybody. It's uh, Friday, June 10th, 2022. It is the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Podcast. Presented by Chef G's Barbecue Sauce, so uh, delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Tonight, we've got a lot of big things happening in the world of sports that we're going to be uh, discussing here uh, tonight between myself and Alan, and of course, any caller who calls in tonight. And we would invite you uh, here this evening to uh, give us a call here, 516-418-5572. Again, that number is 516-418-5572. And uh, tonight, of course, we've got Alan on the line. And, uh, of course, we want to get uh, right to our uh, sports news here tonight. Alan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. How about yourself? Doing really well. Doing really well. Another week in the books. And, of course, uh, once a week we uh, meet for this program, and a lot of things do happen over the course of seven days. And a lot of news to get to here tonight. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit tonight about both the um, NHL playoffs, and then, of course, the NBA Finals, um, both uh, coming to uh, uh, a head here very shortly. Of course, NBA Finals are in Game 4 here tonight. And uh, presently, at last glance, uh, Golden State has a 23-18 lead in the first quarter with two, about two minutes or so left in the first quarter. And, of course, uh, last night you had the Lightning, uh, who had been at, at one point down two games to none. Uh, they came back and won. I believe they scored two goals in the last two minutes of that game last night to take a three games to two lead. So we're going to talk about both of those series going on. We've got some uh, Major League Baseball news, another manager bites the dust. Um, Some big news coming out of the PGA Tour. That's probably the big controversy of the last few days as uh, some things have happened there that um, uh, maybe we didn't see coming. Maybe some of us did. Who knows? Um, And, again, we would love for – you all to call in tonight again the number is 516-418-5572 let's get right to it here this evening i mentioned uh the playoffs both the nhl and the nba where did you want to start here on on either of those topics tonight i guess uh, we'll start with the nhl first you know that was definitely something that the lightning really needed to do they need to wake up and they came back strong they went three games straight I want to definitely send my prayers and get well soon wishes to one of our Lightning fans who unfortunately got sucker punched. I don't know if you saw that. You got sucker punched. And by a Rangers fan, thank goodness they got the assailant. I won't mention their name on the air, but they got the assailant, and he is not only faced with charges because he spent the night in jail, but he also, from what I saw, is banned for life from the arena, and it's fitting deservingly so, such a sucker punch. But you know what? Great for the for the Lightning to go ahead and come back 3-0. In fact, uh, we have one of our Ranger fans that's going to come on right now. We'll bring on Lou. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Lou? All right. Now I'll say one thing about that. I mean, though I am a Ranger fan, he, he had no right to do that. No matter what, no matter you know. What 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 occurred? You don't go out and beat the living crap out of something like that. You know, even if you are rival fans. 
that doesn't that does not show sportsmanship whatsoever. So, you know, at least you know that they took ac- took action and banned the the nitwit for life. So that was a good yeah, and it was unprovoked. Uh, my understanding too, it wasn't like there was uh, an argument going on. It was completely unprovoked, and you know that that makes it even worse, in my opinion. You know, you just yeah, find somebody who's wearing the opposite team. You know, uniform or shirt, and you say, "Hey, I'm just going to knock this guy oh, flat on it." That's a dead giveaway right there. You know yeah. that when that happens, you know there's going to be something going on. Yeah. That's not, yeah. that's not a surprise at all. It, yeah, it was. It was very, very immature. Okay, yes, I get it. You're very frustrated. Your team lost three in a row, and I get it. It's it's frustrating, but you cannot do that to people. You know, that's assault. You just yeah. assaulted the man. And fittingly so, I'm glad they got the person. He didn't run out the stadium and book it. They actually got him. He spent the night in jail, and he's banned for life. And, you know, it's not going to end just, just yet because, you know, once you get locked up, no. there is things that happen afterwards. So I'm glad they got Ooh, him. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that I'm glad that the person, from what I see, is feeling better. But, man, you know, you, you hit somebody in the wrong spot in a temple – you can literally kill someone. Exactly. I mean, the body's not designed to be taking yeah. blows like that. in your hands for sure. Exactly. And, that, and that's something that's unsolicited. But what are your thoughts on that, Aaron? No, I agree 100%. Uh, I mean, obviously, people take – I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I understand wanting to take uh, your, your sports team seriously. But, it, you know, this is something that's definitely beyond um, – the importance of sports sports is for you know as we discussed this you and i you know off air for the last two and a half years sports is to get us away from the reality of the crazy world we live in for a little bit so now you've dragged you know the regular world so to speak into the sports arena and now you know you're being talked about in all different aspects of life you know you're being talked about on the news you're being talked about online um there's nothing sports worthy about this now i want to kind of know switch gears here a little bit on this uh, and ask Lou his opinion on this. There was a nice um, melee that happened on the ice as the game ended last night. Um, oh, yeah. What were your thoughts? And that, that was Obviously, that was a lot of aggression being taken out by, by <laughs> New York for having given up two goals in the last two, two and a half minutes of the game. Well, but, when you get to this level, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, Bound to happen. Really? I mean, we're, you're in the you're, you know, yeah. conference finals. You're, you know, you're in the late stages now. Winner here goes to the finals. Although for the uh, whoever's going to face him in the finals against the Avalanche, I got two words to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: This I game mean, went down to to the final five minutes, and Tampa was able yes. to get a a late. I think it was about two and a half minutes left in the game. A late goal. Um, yeah. Did New York pull their goalie too early, or was this um, was this yes. the right time to have done it? Too early. You could have had a chance to tie the game with the, with a minute and forty to go, but no, you pulled them out. And that's how you lost. I get extra attacker, but you know <laughs> they haven't got their own offense. So what do you think Lou happens going forward at this point? Oh, come on, you're thinking it's over already? Come on. <laughs> I'm not now, are you, are you gonna put the come on. This is are you gonna put before. the guarantee out there like you did two weeks ago, uh when they were playing yeah. uh <laughs> Okay, all right. I've seen this before, man. I, look, I've seen this before. I've seen the Rangers come back from 3-1. They did it against Pittsburgh back in 20, in uh, 2014. We went all the way to the finals. They were down 3-2 on enemy territory going against the Devils. They won that. They beat, They went down 
three, three one, three two in the last two series than that. So why should this be any different? Yeah, no, we'll I, see, I don't yeah, think it's over. Yeah, I don't think it's over either, but I, I definitely, you know, obviously it's a must win for, for, uh, for New York, but going into a hostile environment in Tampa is not going to be an easy, definitely not going to be an easy thing for, uh, for New York at this point. It wasn't easy for Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh either. Man, they, they, they should have had you at the stadium. How come you didn't go to the game? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, really funny. I got plenty to get out to go to Pittsburgh, and besides, who wants to go to Pittsburgh? <laughs> yeah. Maybe a Steelers game if you're throwing something in, but other than that, I don't think I want to go go to Pittsburgh. No, I I agree with you. I don't think the series is over. I think I think the Lightning need to do what they need to do to to close the series out because the Rangers are dangerous. They obviously both Especially teams when want they're down. Really yeah, and and the Rangers have proved that they can come down three to two, they, which they did in the last series. So the the Lightning got to come out with a vengeance and and do their very best to win this this game. The fans got to come out if they want to win and close out the series. Yeah. And make sure you leave that guy out of the you know he was banned in MSG. He he's not banned here in Tampa, so keep that guy away. Put on yeah, I don't think, I don't think he'll be getting out in time to come down to Tampa, so <laughs> I don't know, but that's well, on ATV. That's, that's all you gotta do. Warning: be be on the lookout for a schmuck from New York. <laughs> but yeah, so no, I agree. The series not over. Lightning still got a long way to go, and it's it's going to be interesting how the series plays out. But both teams, I got to give them credit. They're they're really they're fighting tooth and nail. You can tell they really want to win it. Yeah. Let's flip uh, flip gears here over to the NBA. Uh, obviously, we're in uh, Game Four. It's been kind of a back and forth series to this point. Looks like uh, game here, that's for sure. Boston is now, from what I'm seeing here, Boston's up twenty eight twenty seven with uh, uh, about ten forty seven left in the second uh, second quarter here. Um, is this a must-win for Golden State? Uh, if they go down three games to one, do they have any ch- yes. uh, chance of coming back? Yes. This is a must-win for, for Golden State. No, I agree with Lou. I, I agree. I, I think if you go down 3-1, as good as the Golden State Warriors are, you go down 3-1 against this Celtics team, which is a very, very good team, the series is over. You're not coming back and winning three games against the Celtics. I, I mean, I could say that with confidence – because the Celtics do have a bigger team, and they got a guys that, that have a nice combination of veterans and also rookies. I just don't see it happening. This is a must win. If the, if, the, if the Warriors do not win this game tonight, in my view, the series is over. Yes. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Yeah, I think it would be really hard. I mean, look, uh, throwing out there the experience part of it, though, uh, Golden State's obviously been in the NBA Finals many, you know, five or six times in the last six years or seven years, what have you. So it's going to be very challenging to come back. You can't make mistakes, if any at all. When you're down three games to one, you don't, you don't have anything to lose. You can't lose at that point. So um, that does make things, you know, considerably more challenging. 
And, you know, this is kind of like I, I would – I'm not making the comparison directly between Boston and the 2003-2004 Pistons, but, you know, you think of what the Lakers were in the early to mid-2000s, with that great talent they had there, and playing against Detroit. And then you have Boston who, you know, battled through the playoffs this year on the Eastern Conference side of things, and – you're playing a team that's been there many times in the past, and a lot of people would make potentially make that comparison, maybe not to the same degree, but that Boston kind of is playing the role. Um, you still there, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I lost so, the audio there, guys. I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, yeah, neither do I. Um, no, I think that, I think that you could have some people out there making that comparison between um, between the 2004 Pistons and the 2021-2022 uh, uh, Celtics. And again, as I mentioned before, I'm not sure where the audio cut off here, but um, with uh, with an experienced team like Golden State, they've been there before, they've done that. This is a must win, like you said before, for for them because down three games to one it's going to be awfully hard to, to manage to come back. You don't have a lot of room for error. You don't have a lot of room to make mistakes. So, Yeah, I agree. And that's the thing. When we had our great guest, Bruce Gellin, online NBA expert, he said he, he picked the Warriors to win the series, but he said he wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics did. And he felt as if actually on paper the Celtics were the better team. But I just feel as as if the experience factor would have been a bigger factor with the Warriors. That's proven not to be the case. So I, I definitely do think tonight is a must win for the Warriors. I really hope they actually do win tonight's game because if they win tonight's game, it'll still be a series. It can go the whole seven games or at least six six games, but they lose tonight, I, I think it's, it's yeah. not going to be a good thing for them. They're going to wrap it up pretty soon if they lose tonight's game. Yeah, very good point there for sure. There's no question about that. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's definitely the case. So, Lou, what do you have going for your show? Well, as Championship Month continues, we got a whole bunch of stuff. We got, of course, the NBA Finals, which will wrap up uh, Game Four tonight. NHL Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, Game Six tomorrow. You know, if this got seven games, I'm gonna have a big problem because. The finals would be Game 5 Monday night, and the NHL Conference Finals would be Monday night as well. Okay, this is going to be a, this is going to be a fun night Monday. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be sick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're we're going to cover the college um, baseball playoffs. Uh, the Women's College World Series has ended, so I'm going to cover that maybe a little bit. Uh, the last of the big three races in horse racing, as we have the Belmont, which is in New York. So, hey, I can't, I can't forget that. Otherwise, my New York fans will kill me. Uh, so I got a couple of that. And uh, yeah. we'll also recap the, the uh, men's finals of the French Open. Oh, wow. We didn't so, yeah. that last week because that was on Sunday and my show was on Saturday, so I couldn't do that. Duh. <laughs> so, it's, you know, I told you June was going to be busy, and it's living up to it. Yeah, you did call yeah, it. You had time. So, if you got time tomorrow, and remember, my day and time have not changed. It's still 512-543-4662, Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. And we don't stop during the summer, people. No, I go all year, except for Christmas, Thanksgiving, and New Year's. Yeah. 
But on that, I'm here all year long. Yeah, so there if you, you got go. time, call in. That's right, 512-543-4662 and 512-543-4662. Team 5 and 7 Eastern Standard Time Zone tomorrow, Saturday. And definitely support and for those you in the Central, it's And for those of you in the Central Time Zone, it's 4 to 6. Keep that in mind. <laughs> That's a good point. So, so you always get remember where you are. <laughs> you stay with, yeah, just remember where you are. Set your watch if you have to. Or right on the back of your, right on your forehead or something. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Make sure yeah. you write down the number. Yeah. The more the the more the merrier. That's the way I look at it. There you go. That's right. So make sure you support Lou. Yeah. Tomorrow between five and seven Eastern Standard Time Zone. Right. All right, fellas. Thanks. You yeah, have, you have a great weekend. Night. Right. All right. Thank that you. was our good buddy Lou uh, here this evening. Um, definitely want to you know encourage our listeners to support his show on the uh, on the weekends between 5 and 7 Eastern time, of course. And, um, you know, he's absolutely right. June has been a very, very busy month, uh, probably probably as busy a month as we have throughout the year because you've got everything happening almost at one time. You've got baseball in full swing. Both the NHL and NBA playoffs are going on. You've got some major golfing events that are taking place. Um, you know, training camps are also happening in the NFL. You've got uh, – um, some college stuff going on, obviously the college world series, as he alluded to there. So it's almost like we don't have enough time in one show to get to everything. Um, yeah. unfortunately, so <laughs> with, with everything yeah. going on, but, um, let's talk a little bit here tonight. Cause last week we talked about Joe Girardi, former world series winning manager when he was of course with the Yankees, um, getting the pink slip from the Philadelphia Phillies. And this past week, uh, I believe it was on it was either Wednesday or Thursday, Angels have decided to move on from Joe Madden after just uh, two and a half seasons or two and a quarter seasons, essentially, with him at the helm. Of course, another former World Series winning manager with the Cubs. Were you surprised by Madden being terminated, or was this? Did you think this was something that would even be discussed at some point? This one did catch me by surprise. It did have a long losing streak, but I I just was. It'd be hard pressed for me to say that two Joes. Joe Girardi and Joe Madden, ironically, two Joes would get fired within a, a week of each other. So it did catch me by surprise just because, I guess, they weren't doing so great with the losing streak. And I did see a couple of memes online, you know, with um, Angels in the Outfield. That was one that, that basically <laughs> <laughs> kept repeating itself. Yeah. But I, I still didn't think they would actually fire Joe Madden. Very good manager. These things do happen. But uh, it, it was a shock to me. This one was a surprise to me. Joe Girardi was not. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, here's the thing. Um, you go back to Girardi a week ago, and the Phillies, you know, obviously both these teams are in the top five payroll-wise. Uh, a lot of high expectations in both places. And you look at what the Phillies did and then what they've done since. They've not, they haven't lost a game since they fired Joe Girardi. They've won – like seven in or obviously seven in a row, I believe is what it is at that now. Um, yeah, they won seven in a row, and tonight they're playing. Uh, let's see here. Let me find the scores here. Tonight they're 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 beating uh, Arizona six to five in the seventh inning. So they very well may reach their eighth win in a row. On the other side, 
the Angels finally just won a game for the first time in like almost two and a half weeks. They had lost either 14 or 15 games in a row. So I think it's a thing where ownership and management probably felt like Joe Madden lost the clubhouse. They, they, you know, it kind of players had done things on their own volition on their own terms. They weren't getting the discipline they needed. And that's a big part of the game. You know, you talk about 162 game schedule plus, the six weeks of spring training typically. And then if you get to the playoffs, you know, everything that goes on with that. And I think they just felt like for the moment thing. And this is Artie Moreno though, the owner of the angels, this is him saying, look, no one is immune to being, you know, on, not on the firing uh, line here at this point, you know, anybody, you know, we, we can make moves if we need to. And this is a, a big, big move because you know, you have two of the best players in the sport on that club, Mike Trout, who, you know, deserves, in my opinion, if he's on a good team, deserves a chance to play for a World Series title. And then you got Shohei Otani, who is the best hitting pitcher literally since Babe Ruth. I mean, we're talking a 100-year difference between those two guys as far as the time they played in. And, you know, they're on a team that can't seem to get things right, even though they spend a lot of money to try and do so. So um, I think Joe Madden is probably more – likely to manage again immediately than Joe Girardi, who might take a year or two off and go into the broadcast booth. Um, Madden, I think, would be a good fit potentially in Philadelphia. They're going to probably need a manager after this season. Um, but it, I'll tell you what, how quickly things change in baseball. You did go about two weeks ago when we were talking, and things looked a lot different than they do right now. And here we are two weeks later, and you know, so many things have changed in that two-week period. So baseball is a game where sometimes – can change very drastically in a very, very short period of time. And they have just proven that. Yeah, they have. And, you know, things are turning around and, you know, like you said, the, the Phillies are starting to do a lot better. They are starting to turn things around seven out of the last 10. And hopefully the angel will do the same. You know, the team will turn around. Our interesting about the angels is they're actually in second place in their division. They're not getting behind, but they're second place, even with all the losses. So they still have time. Sometimes these firings are just, as you mentioned, because the manager may have lost the clubhouse and maybe the team needs a spark. So I do agree with that. If you're not happy with the manager, you make the change sooner than later because you have time to go ahead and change things around. Yeah, it is one of those things where I wouldn't call it desperation. I would say it's, you know, it's uh, strategic. You know, you want to, and we've seen this happen before, guy gets canned in the first two, three months of the season and a lot of things can change. You can salvage a season in, in, in two months. You can salvage it in three months too. So um, it, it is possible. It's not the way you would have planned it, but sometimes you have to go off the script a little bit and, and change things up. And, you know, you look at the, the division leads right now, and I've kind of thrown this out there a couple times, not that anything has changed too much yet, but, you know, you go back uh, probably three weeks ago, and Atlanta was 10 and a half, 11 games out of first place in the East. They've reeled off eight in a row, and they're about to win their ninth here in a row tonight. And they're still six and a half back, but the Mets are starting to kind of come back down to earth a little bit there in the East. And, you know, the Phillies are right there, too. They're, they're um, a win away from being right at 500. So they've got things heading in the right direction. And then you start to kind of look over – NL Central right now is not looking too good. You've, every team in that division has lost at least uh, two games in a row. Uh, Milwaukee, who's leading the division, is at six in a row lost. They're a half game ahead of uh, St. Louis. 
get out west and the Dodgers are kind of pulling away or they should be pulling away with the uh, the Western uh, National League there. And then, you know, the Yankees have played really solid all year long. They actually have the best record in baseball by, by a pretty good stretch here. They're 41-16. and 16. Tampa is seven games behind right now. Um, but both Toronto and Boston are starting to play a little bit better ball. So that that's kind of interesting. And then you've got uh, Minnesota and Cleveland, one, two in the central. And then out west, as you mentioned, it's, it's odd that, you know, you lost 16 in your last 17 games or 15 in your last 16, and you're somehow in second place <laughs> in the AL West with the Astros playing really well right now. So uh, we'll see how things change. I, I wouldn't expect it initially to stay this way the rest of the year, but pretty good division leaders. These are mostly the teams that we had predicted or projected to to be at the top uh, when we started the season two months ago. Exactly, and and they're they're holding true, and you know, definitely got to give props to the Yankees there. They're, they're clicking on all cylinders and they're doing their thing. As you mentioned, they got the best record in baseball, but things can change. You got to keep winning. The Braves are starting to catch up a little bit to the Mets. So you got to keep your eye on that. And the Guardians are starting to hang in there too. So things are starting to change a bit in Major League Baseball. That's a good thing about baseball is that, like you said, there's, there's games left to be played. And if you do make a managerial move, it sparks a team. You can catch up a lot of ground quickly. Yeah, and you'd be surprised how different a clubhouse can be when you have somebody leading the clubhouse that is in your corner. Um, What I mean by that is, you know, oftentimes the manager is kind of like a cheerleader. You know, they're in the dugout. They're rooting for you. Um, They're trying to encourage you. And sometimes – not that they that a manager has lost the clubhouse because they weren't doing those things it's that everything they tried just didn't didn't pull, pull through the players just didn't hear it they didn't they didn't grasp it enough and the other thing i would say too and this is the difference between starting off kind of slow and cold and then slowly heating up is a manager who basically says look we are too good a team to be playing as poorly as we are you guys know you're better than we've been playing and it's just going to take a couple of games for us to kind of think, get our feet underneath us, and then suddenly things turn around. That's what Brian Snicker has done in Atlanta, and you know they've reeled off uh, eight in a row, about to be nine in a row if they can hold on and get these uh, last uh, looks like five outs here tonight. They'll be um, they'll be right there uh, as well, and you know I I, I put them in a, a high spot because again. You come off winning a World Series, you have probably a better team on paper this year than you did last year, even when the season ended. They should be right back in the same spot uh, late in the season again. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. You know, if you got more talent in your butt than the other team, usually when it starts, when the season starts playing along, it usually folds out that way. That team usually has a lot more wins, but it should be interesting to see going forward. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. I think the the best months of baseball, obviously the the final stretch, the final six weeks, eight weeks of the season, is always. Um, very enjoyable because there's a lot more drama in those games typically, especially when you're down the stretch and every game has seemingly more importance than any of the others. But, you know, you're starting to get into these series where head-to-head matchups between, you know, the Yankees and the Rays or the Braves and the Mets or the Dodgers and the Giants, you know, those rivalry type of games, those are going to have so much more importance here down the stretch. And this is the last year of the unbalanced schedule. Um, Next year is when they start – uh, with the uh, only playing your division opponents 12 times a year versus 
the 18 to 20 times you play them now. So, um, you know, you're going to have to really watch uh, closely. And that just means that the games starting in 2023 are going to have an even greater deal of importance on them. But, um, you know, we're getting into the heat of the year now. We're in June. We're almost to mid-June. And this is when offenses typically start to heat up. This is when ball clubs typically start to heat up. Um, To that point, though, sometimes you will see clubs that will go the opposite direction. And that's kind of where the Angels were. They were, you know, before this long streak that they're on for losing, they were like seven games or so above 500. Uh, they were like 20, 26 and 18 or something like that. And then, you know, you lose 14 or 15 games in a row. Obviously, it puts you under 500, but going the opposite direction there. So it's one of those things they they want to try to heat back up. And teams who are already hot right now want to stay that way. The game, uh, baseball is a game of momentum. Baseball is a game of, of you know, you know, you win 17 of 20 or you win 20 of 25. Those are the types of, of portions of a season that typically turn a team either the positive direction or, in the Angels' case, the negative direction. That's right. you got to keep on grinding and stay positive. And definitely as the season goes on, if you're able to make it through the hot month of the summer and keep winning, you have a shot to go ahead and get the prize at the end. Yeah, you know, that's that's definitely it. And, you know, I think that the nice thing, too, the way that baseball has changed so much over the last several years is more teams have a chance now than they did, um, you know, let's say 20 years ago where you only had four teams in each league that made the playoffs. And realistically, you probably really only had about half of each league that was really going to have a good shot at making the playoffs. Now you can go into the season and you can probably write off right at the very beginning Kansas City, Pittsburgh, um, Baltimore, and maybe one other team as they have no chance of making the postseason. That's really their, their, their building for the future. And then every other team, 26 or 27 other teams, you're like, maybe their chances are a little bit lower in certain places, but every other team seems to have a spot and have a chance to, to get there. So, Yeah, you're right. You have a chance. So that's the great thing about baseball is that you, you have to play that whole schedule and good thing is now we're going to get a chance to get a full schedule, see how it pans out. Yeah, it's going really well to this point, too. So um, we shall see. Obviously, uh, every week there's something big that happens in baseball. Obviously, it's a, a you know full full summer sport, 162 games. There's nothing um, – there, There's we're, we're not left short of any kind of uh, uh, interesting storylines or anything, you know, that go on during the course of a of a 162-game schedule. So – um, but moving right along, obviously, uh, the big controversy this week, we get those kind of things in sports sometimes is what's going on with the PGA tour. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about that here this evening. Yeah, it's been a lot of controversy going on this past week on the PGA tour and the live golf is what it's called. And let me just first say that, you know, what the PGA tour has really, really in my view, made themselves look really poor this past week. Okay, first you came out early in the week saying that guys could compete in the tournaments even if they went to the Saudi, Saudi-based Saudi live golf. And now you went ahead and suspended 17 players, including some of the players that has already resigned. I mean, that's like telling somebody, okay, you either got fired or you quit, but you know what? You're suspended too. Like, okay, how does that work? If somebody quits, 
your tour, that's the end of your working relationship. There's no need to give them a suspension, even if they're if they're no longer an employee of your tour. So I thought it was very childish of the PGA to come back with these suspensions. Whoever's running the PGA tour, I think, really needs to reevaluate themselves. They're looking like an ex-girlfriend, a vindictive scorn. <laughs> that's how they look at it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. That's that's 100 percent true. And I would almost say that to me, I'm just looking at this, uh, you know, from from the 30,000 foot view, I guess you could say, is it's almost like they intentionally did this. They, like they wanted the negative publicity. Um, you know, why? Why? What motivates somebody, or what motivates a a group or a league in this case, or a, a an entity in this case, to on Tuesday? or Wednesday, whatever day it was, say, yeah, it's fine. Go ahead and play over there. It's fine. We'll we'll um, talk about it after you're done. And then the very next day, you say, no, you can't do that, and you suspend them for it. Like, what – What? Where? there's no trust there anymore. That's for sure out the window. And now you suspended these players who are probably going to say, well, screw you. I'm never coming back and playing there again. So now the PGA Tour is going to suffer because you took, you know, 17 players and you said look you're, you're suspended and i don't know what the suspension length of time is i think it's indefinite at this point um these guys are probably saying to themselves well, i don't care i'm making a lot more money on where i'm going so there, there's a couple of different ways to look at it i know we kind of talked about some of this off air i just can't for the life of me understand where they're coming from you know it's like it, it's like uh you know kind of like what you're saying before you know it's it's vindictive or you know, whatever you want to call it. it it definitely is not um not on the surface, at least what it should have been. So, yeah, and and that's what I look at it is, and not only that, you made yourself, you did what you shouldn't do in business, and what that is is you burnt your bridge because a lot of the players, if you read, if you listen to their interviews, they still wanted to keep the door open. They were playing, they were actually playing their politics prior to to the suspension being sanctioned. Even the ones that resigned said, "I hope things do change over there so that we can do both." And the way the schedule was made for, for Live Golf, it didn't conflict with the PGA Tour. So if the PGA Tour had just kind of kept things cordial, they would at least have the option of bringing the guys back maybe in the future. To your point, now that you put on those suspensions, the guys that resign or the ones who didn't resign are going to be like, forget it. Screw you. I'm not going to play there no more because I'm not wanted. And I can't blame them because they're probably like, well, I'm getting paid more money here anyway. Why would I want to come back there anyway? You understand? So yeah. now there's more heat on the PGA Tour to build viewership because let me be frank with you. They took a big major hit this week. You lost a lot of star power by guys going to live golf. You understand? I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know how, they, how long they're going to do, but it didn't make the PGA Tour look really bad not because the players left, but because of the way the PGA Tour handled this situation. Yeah, I think that they just basically, you know, yeah, you're, you're losing some guys to go over there, and, and that's going to happen. And, and you mentioned before, too, the fact is a lot of these guys left the door open. Now they're going to basically say no. But here's the thing that is just mind-boggling to me. So now you have basically said, no, nope, we, we don't want you back anyways. And so you, you, you've – you sabotage your own brand at this point. You know, what's, what is wrong with, and I don't know if, you know, if there's something contractually um, 
that these players did that did not allow them or was conflicting with them going over there. Um, that's something I have to read between the lines on, I suppose. But, you know, to, to, to on one hand say it's all right. And then the next day say it's not. And then, and then like a, like a crybaby basically, you know, you're, you're, you're saying, no, you're, you're, you're suspended. Um, I don't see anywhere in there where that helped out the PGA one bit. In fact, I would say it was counterproductive because if you just left things alone, some of these guys are going to want to come back. Some of these guys might want to play part-time here, part-time there. But to me, here's what's probably going to happen now. You're going to see a few other guys that I think are going to say, you know what, I don't stand for what the PGA Tour is doing, and they're going to, they're going to jump and go over there too. So I think they're going to lose more. And I think some of the sponsors are probably going to be pretty upset about it because obviously sponsors are going to um, – you know, lose money for the fewer viewership they're going to have. So you may see some major sponsors that pull out of this as well. Yeah, the PGA Tour really did a poor thing. They should have left well enough alone. That suspension was ridiculous, okay? You suspended DJ and quite a few guys, Kevin Na. I read his his whole resignation letter. He put it on the Internet. I read it. And line by line, word for word, he, again, reluctantly resigned, but he did resign, and then you're going to go ahead and suspend him. That is very childish. You burnt your bridge. And to your point, the PGA Tour is really reeling because you could lose sponsorship. Your brand is in jeopardy now because of the way you handle it. You should have just left it alone. The guys could come back, try to work on your product, and now you're in a situation where you had to compete. I love what Live Golf response was. It was about two paragraphs right – you know, right after the suspension was given out, they put a two-paragraph response saying that this was vindictive, and it was really childish, and it really was. And I agree, I agree with, with Live Golf. It was really childish what the PGA Tour did. They really hurt their brand. They hurt their sponsorships. And, look, if you're the PGA Tour, you're in a situation where you had a monopoly for a very, very long time. Now there's a new kid on the block, and you've got to step up the game and compete. You got to compete. Just like the players got to compete. Now you're in a position where you're going to have to compete. Now the story within the story on this, and I mentioned this to you off air, I believe it was yesterday. And I talked a little bit more about it earlier before we came on the air tonight is my favorite player in golf right now. And has been for 20 years has been Phil Mickelson. Love left-handed golfers. It's it's a rare thing to see. Um, There's not a whole lot of them out there. Bubba Watson's another big one as well. Um, Earlier this year, uh, Phil Mickelson was actually um, criticized uh, for some comments he made about um, about the Saudis, and he ended up, after he was criticized for it, kind of walking some of those comments back after he lost one of his sponsors. And where I see him being very hypocritical now is now he's going to go play over over that over, over in that direction. And I just to me it seems like, and you mentioned this too. You know, it seems like, okay, putting putting money over principles. I know he's going to get a lot of money to go over there, um, but it just seems like how quickly somebody has turned on what they originally said three or four months ago in a, in a magazine article that I think was written a year ago, something that had happened a while back. And I just, I, you know, I'm not afraid to be critical of even somebody that I'm a fan of in this case. Uh, I definitely feel like he definitely did the wrong thing, and he's probably one of the bigger – corporates and all this and maybe this is to some degree the pga tour taking out their 
dissatisfaction with Phil being a part of this on the rest of the players that decided to go over along with him. Yeah, and and to your point for Phil, yes, I'm going to say it. Phil is, throughout this whole process, even prior to him signing this agreement, has been a hypocrite. There's this call for what it is. He, you know, he, he makes comments on certain things, but then he gets offered a boatload of money and he jumped ship. And that's what he did. You know, he, he jumped ship because he had gotten paid a lot of money. Now, Phil is in a different situation, I would say, than a lot of the guys on tour. Being at number one, he has a long leg. He has a little bit longer longevity than some of the players. He's actually been there for 30 years with DJ and them about 20. Not only that, Phil does have, been reported, has some gambling debts. So I don't think it's just because he wanted to take a boatload of money and he has a boatload of money. I think he's also had some other things going on too. Now he's gotten help for those things, which I'm glad to hear, but I do think there's still some things that he has to financially take care of. Having said that, you know, I've seen this before. A lot of players, they, they say things that are hypocritical. They say they will never do this for this team. They'll never play for this team because it's a rival or what have you. You offer them a contract with enough zeros at the end of it, they forget all the criticism they have. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what all the time. And that's exactly well, Roger, Roger Clemens going from the, the – obviously he played for Toronto for two years, but Roger Clemens was always critical of the Yankees. And then – you know, he had an opportunity to get out of Toronto, which wasn't exactly the best situation for him. And the Yankees, they paid the price to, to bring him to New York, and he was all too happy to win a couple World Series there with, uh, with the Bronx Bombers. So I would say that was kind of him to some degree. Not exactly the same situation, of course, um, but you can use that as a good comparison. Yeah, and, and Phil is, is being – you know, I watched Phil's actual – his first – press conference for Live Golf. And I, and I really, you know, I like Phil. But, yeah, Phil was being a little coy, and he was being hypocritical. They were asking a lot of questions. None of the questions, I mind you, were about golf. They were all about his decision. And he should have just came out and said, I'm doing this because they offered me money that I couldn't refuse. But, again, and instead he kept saying it was a great opportunity, a great opportunity. And it is a great opportunity. It is. But, come on. It's a great opportunity because you got paid a lot of money. That's the thing, you know, Stan. And, you know, one thing I will say, though, to, to a lot of the players' defense, it does seem as if they do have a lighter schedule, too. So not only are they getting paid a lot more, more money, they're actually going to be working a lot less, too. That's uh, that's the dream right there, for sure. So <laughs> more money for less work, yeah, that'd be, that'd be perfect. It uh, seems like it's usually the other way around. So. Um, exactly. And I'll just say on record that, as I said before, when we talked about before the suspensions, that I don't blame the players for for doing what's best for them and their families. If they have this deal, a lot of people criticize, but if you put a contract in front of most people, you know, Tiger Woods is probably one of the rare exceptions. You know, props to Tiger Woods. He turned down nearly a billion dollars not to go to the Live Golf. That's been reported and it hasn't been denied. But it was reported that Greg Norman, who, who basically sanctions these, these offers, offered him close to a billion dollars, and he turned it down. Not most people are in, that, are in that position where they could turn down that type of money. And if somebody handed you a contract of $100 million to play golf, 125 or $200 million 
to play golf, something that you love to do. It's later in your career. Most people would have, they, it would be hard for them to turn it down. Yeah, no, that's 100% correct. I, I don't, I don't think it'd be hard for 99 out of 100 guys probably would would say yes to it. So I agree. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I do feel as if golfers are independent contractors. They're not signed like NFL players. You know, where you have a contract is, you know, where you're in more of a monopoly. You know, and the PGA Tours got to understand you got a new kid on the block. You got to compete. You got to make some other opportunities. Maybe you should ask some of the players, what do you love about being on tour? What don't you love about being on tour? And kind of go from there. Because quite a few of them did say they enjoyed being on tour, but they did. There was a few things that they didn't enjoy about the tour. They didn't go into details about that, but I would try to investigate to see what those things are. Yeah, very good point there for sure. But yeah, I definitely agree with, um, you know, I hope everything works out and and, uh, you know, one thing I did want to say is that we hope, we're still holding up hope here at the Allen Aaron Sports Radio Show that we do get an opportunity to have a, a working relationship with the PGA Tour. We did uh, send out media requests, but um, I will say if somebody from the PGA Tour is listening, please honor those requests because you know where we're going next if you don't, and that starts with an L. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you got competition. And I'll even say one last thing about competition. This is the great thing about competition. Me and my family went to, I'm not going to say the name of the restaurant, but we went there to get something to eat. The lady at the counter was very rude, did not want to help us, and I was with me and my family. I could clearly see she was not in the mood to help us. So I said, you know what, guys, we're going to go someplace else. We went to some other restaurant, had a fantastic time. The experience was totally different, enjoyed ourselves, even had food to take to go home. Really, really delightful. And I told the kids, you know what, if you're getting piss poor service, you don't have to stand for it because you have competition here. And that's what's happening with the PGA and Live Golf. PGA Tour got to step up because now you have competition. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, and, and, you know, if you're not doing the job the right way and somebody else can do it better, people are going to choose that better way uh, probably nine times out of ten. So you're absolutely right about that. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Thanks. And then, you know, that's that's the great thing about competition. You have other options. And and you got to expect you had a monopoly for a long time. It's kind of like the electric company. They had, you know, basically a monopoly for a long time. Now people have solar. So, you know, they figure out other ways to get their own competition, another another way of means instead of one person running the show. And I like it because usually when it's one person running the show, it's either my way or the highway. And that could be the case for your business, but it may not be the case for somebody else's business. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point there for sure. Yeah, so a lot of things going on at PGA and – Definitely live golf. We'll keep you up to date on that, and we'll see how it pans out. But I did want to also give some props to good friend James Lifestyle Tony. Congratulations on making it to the Boxing Hall of Fame this weekend. So that's awesome. 
Definitely, uh, definitely, many congratulations, sir. That's a huge accomplishment for sure. Not not an easy thing to accomplish, and a lot of work uh, has to go into being able to do that. So definitely, congratulations to him. Yeah, it definitely is hard work. You gotta have, you gotta be great. You gotta have have longevity. You know, it takes a lot to make it to the Boxing Hall of Fame, and he made it. And I apologize that I, I was supposed to be in attendance. I, you know, that that is a fact. I made a promise I was going to go. This was quite a few months back when I heard about it. I had the itinerary and everything, and I looked at it, all the events that's going on. They have a, for those who don't know, they have a 5K walk. They have an opportunity for you to, to meet the, not just James Tony but the other Hall of Famers. They have a nice dinner, a private dinner. They even have a... A parade. It was a lot of scheduled events that you can go to. I looked at it and it looked all awesome. I was planning to go to all of the events, every one of them, including the 5K. But unfortunately, due to family, you know, con- conflicting schedule, I was not able to go. But definitely, I know I definitely want to give him his props for for definitely making the Hall of Fame. He has some great things that he's offering, you know, as far as T-shirts and autographed T-shirts. And I did see that. I did put in my request. I do already have a, a James Tony T-shirt, but I want to get an autographed one. But, yeah, it, it definitely looks like a fantastic event, and I want to wish James, like the Tony, all the best this weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been a great show here tonight. Uh, we had Lou on, of course, right at the top of the top of the show. Uh, talked a lot about uh, – what's going on in baseball, hockey, basketball. Um, training camps are going to start here before too much longer. Um, actually, some of them have been going uh, going on this week. I want to hit on that for just a few moments before the show ends here tonight. Um, what do you think is going to happen over the next couple of weeks? So obviously, we've got some, some free agents in the NFL that are still lingering around. We've got some teams that might still be in need of a quarterback. What do you think is going to happen in some of those, uh, some of those spots around the NFL? Great question. Glad you brought that up. You know, there's a few things I want to talk about. I do think the Bucks will sign Gronk. I think Gronk basically is holding out because he probably wants to give less days for OTAs. And that's why he probably hasn't signed yet. But I do think Gronk will come back. I also do think that, unfortunately for the Browns, they're going to find a way to void Deshaun Watson's contract because it doesn't look good for him. Those you know, every day is an acquisition, and I've always said this way, they smoke this fire, and there's too many people saying the same thing, same MO. But I do think to Baker Mayfield, he might end up being the starting quarterback for the Browns. <laughs> Didn't think that would happen three months ago. But what happens, here's my question, though. If that ends up being the case, I don't think that the um, Players Association in the NFL would stand behind them voiding his contract, so there'd be a legal proceeding probably with that. But what happens to those draft picks that Cleveland gave up? How, you know, do they recoup those, or do they get future considerations back from those teams that uh, are from the the picks they traded over to uh, uh, to Houston? I think they probably will work something out where they can maybe not get those exact same placements, but they might get draft picks later. But I, I definitely don't think the way it's going that that Watson is going to be the starting quarterback come game one. I, I highly doubt it. In fact, it's just too much smoke, too much distractions, too many accusations. I, I don't see why the league isn't stepping in at this point and just, you know, make an announcement because it's been going on for a few months now. And 
at least you would know where you stand. I definitely think that the teams will probably work something out behind the scenes as far as those draft picks. But I, I don't see how the Browns could go forward with this deal. I almost have to say, and I, I said this when he first got traded to Cleveland, that with all this stuff still looming, and obviously more has been added to it since, this was going to be a make or break for their current GM. And I've got to think now, especially if they somehow find a way to avoid his contract, he may be out the he, – their GM may be out the door too. I mean – you, now you have taken a franchise that hasn't seen success really in over 30 years. You've been to the playoffs one time or maybe two times, uh, three times maybe since they came back in, in 1999. And you're in a position where you have a chance to really go the right direction. You bring in a quarterback. Let's, let's talent for a moment. Watson is definitely a talented player. I mean, he, he could be the guy uh, for, you know, for the Browns. But the problem is he has all this baggage just coming along with him. So my point is, kind of talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. You put it, everything in the lap now of of uh, Deshaun Watson. No pun intended, guys. Uh, you put everything in his, you know, in his wheelbarrow, if you will. And now you you at, at the very minimum, I don't see him playing in 2022. I see him being suspended for a long time. The other thing that's puzzling to me is the league has suspended guys for six games, eight games, a whole season for a lot less than what. Deshaun Watson is being accused of. So to me, it's a little peculiar. The league hasn't stepped in. I would have thought they would have done something last year when all this was going on. And that's the puzzling thing to me is the NFL seems a little inconsistent in those specific areas. That, that's, that's something that I find a little bit troubling. I, I find it troubling too. It's very perplexing how they wouldn't step in at some point. I mean, I did some research on this case. and I looked into it, you know, pretty good and I, I don't have the resources that the NFL does and I already have came to my conclusion that yeah where there's smoke there's fire and and a lot of the people are saying the same thing is there's enough evidence here in my view to see where what's going on and I do believe Deshaun Watson in my opinion has crossed many lines in these and these encounters with these women I just think that it's really perplexing to me that the league has not stepped in and said anything about it and done anything about this. But as to your point, they have stepped in on issues that were less evidence. And I think even not as many issues as Deshaun has, he has 24 and counting. And I just find it perplexing. Not only that, you also had cohesion in this and the fact that, some of these things were, were paid for the team, his prior team by Texas. So I just don't understand why they're not stepping in and doing anything. I don't know because he's the name. I don't know if it's quarterback or what, but it's really surprising. Well, I think this makes Roger Goodell look really bad, and I, I didn't think it could get much worse for him. I, I disagree with him on a lot of things over the years, but I'll go back to who was the running back that played for the, the Vikings. Uh, I want to say it was 2014 or 2015. And the accusations were there that he had, um, I want to say it was his either wife or fiance, he had slapped her around a little bit, uh, elevator. The league actually knew about that video before it came out, and they had already levied their punishment to him prior to the video coming out publicly. And I, I found that a little bit troubling, too. You know, were they trying to 
keep it under under wraps or like what what was the point so i'm not sure what the league is doing but it seems to me that there is some inconsistency in some of the things that they go about and i'll use this as an example um we could debate here with anybody who wants to on uh the whole deflate gate situation that happened with uh with the patriots and tom brady and i believe it was 2014 or 2015 um i don't know what evidence the league ended up having but the conclusion that Roger Goodell and his office came to was in our conclusion, literally said in a statement, paraphrasing a little bit here, in my conclusion, Tom Brady probably, the word probably is pretty big one in the legal side of things. Tom Brady probably <clears throat> deflated those footballs and they suspended him for the first four games of the season. Well, to me, if you don't have, you know, a full, uh, you know, if you don't have damning evidence, if you will, then it's hard for me to understand why a suspension would be taking place. But again, you suspend a guy for four games or something you're pretty sure he did versus a situation where you have, 20, what, 26 people who are saying the same, the same story. So it seems to me like the league is just taking their time or maybe they're trying to wait for the right time for it to happen. But it is very, very puzzling how it's taken as long as it has for things to, to get to the point where they're at now. It really is. And this has gone on for a long time. I mean, over a year, year and a half. Yeah, and it, and the thing is, it's just getting worse and worse where more people are – now that he's going to actually start playing and he's got a contract, it seems like people are like, oh, oh no, I'm going to get involved now. And that's the thing. They, they don't want him to have the power to continue to do this to other women. And if he does play again, he can. He will have the power. So I just think that it's really perplexing how they really didn't have – I, in my view, a smoking gun against Tom Brady. Yes, they had some circumstantial evidence, and the optics didn't look good. One thing I would say in Brady's part that he really should have been more compliant and give them his cell phone, which he didn't, and I'm saying he got lost or what have you, so that does lean to guilt. The league really didn't have as much evidence against Tom Brady, but I think what happened with Tom Brady was I think it was a bit of haterade. I think, you know, as a league, and as a business, and I've been in this situation myself where when you keep winning, for some reason, the business starts to hate on you because they want other people to feel good about themselves that they have a chance to win. When you have a top dog that's winning all the time, from a business standpoint, they're like, ah, oh, we got to do something so that, that the top dog gets knocked off and it gives the people below him or her an opportunity so that you know, maybe the second or third or fourth or fifth pers- person gets the top spot for a period of time and they feel good about themselves and everybody's happy. Well, that's not really the case. If somebody's a top dog, they're the top dog. You shouldn't have to hold someone's hand or pull someone apart from being number one if they are truly number one. And I think that's what happened with Tom Brady. I think there was not as much evidence. The league wanted somebody else to get the shine. Tom was winning all the time. They came up with this deflate gate and they levied that four game suspension with, with like it's your point without really having any true evidence. And okay. If you're playing with a deflated ball, that's not at max PSI. The other team was playing with that same football too. So yeah, you could also tell the person put some more air in this. No one ever said that, you know? So I, I just thought it was a, a lot of nothing that suspension with Tom Brady 
a lot of jealousy, a lot of haterade is what happened. And I think Tom didn't help himself too to 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 his to the least point. He didn't help himself. He came across kind of kind of snide and not being forthright, kind of being a little slick. And so he, he kind of hurt his position in that case. And you see Deshaun Watson getting negative publicity every time. And again, I checked into the cases, I read into the stuff. In my view, this is Alan Alfred's view, Deshaun Watson is guilty. Okay? My man is acting inappropriate. I would not him want him around anybody in my family because he acts inappropriately, and you can clearly see that. And and shame on NFL, shame on Roger Goodell, and also shame on the Texans too for for making this situation enabling this behavior. Enabling yeah, no, absolutely. It's a hundred percent correct. You know, people need to get off the fact that somebody's a great player. We're just going to just kiss their butt and do whatever they want. Okay, he's a great player. I'll give you that. But you don't have to. To your point, you don't have to kind of throw out your morals to make someone happy, especially when they're breaking the law. It's just it's just unbelievable. Well, I've I've always uh, said that character. If you're looking at a player. Character is more important than talent, or they should be basically at the same level, and character should be a little bit higher than the talent. But a lot of times, these franchises they'll say, "Well, you know, we can we can live with X, Y, or Z. This guy supposedly done in the past. This is one of the things that happened in Tampa when they when they drafted um, Jameis Winston. You know, all the stuff that he had been through at Florida State uh, a couple years before that." And what really hurt him was, you know, he, he, he could have put himself in a better position. This is one of those things you've mentioned before. You don't ever put yourself in a, a position where now all it takes is an accusation and you're, you're, you're not necessarily convicted, but you're convicted by the court of public opinion. What happened with Winston, and obviously a lot different than what's happening with Watson right now, but what happened with Winston was he put himself in a position where he was in, I believe it was like an Uber Uber vehicle and the fact that he was there and the person who was driving the vehicle made an accusation against him. He's already had this stuff that's happened in the past. His, his past experiences unfortunately went against him. So um, I think with, with Watson, I see the league coming down on him pretty hard here at some point, um, probably at least a year long suspension and the Browns will be fortunate in my opinion, if they can get out of this, they created this mess too. You got to remember that, you know, they, they traded for this guy. It's not like they didn't know this baggage was there. This stuff's been out for what, well over a year now. So they get whatever they deserve. In fact, they probably don't really deserve much in return, to be honest with you, because, again, they've created some of the mess that we're seeing going on now. Absolutely. To your point, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah the Browns did create a mess because you just threw more money at the problem. Anytime you throw money at a problem, usually it doesn't work out this way. And, and that's the thing. You knew about his record. And you wanted to make a big splash. And I think a lot of that splash had to do with the fact that you were unhappy with Baker Mayfield. I mean, you gave this guy a contract of $200 million guaranteed, which is unheard of. It was all guaranteed. And, and you know, you can sprain an ankle. You can, I mean, I'm not wishing anybody get hurt, but, you know, this is football. And you can get hurt, and it's all guaranteed. Not even like 70 or 60% of it. So, you know, they knew this baggage was there, and you know what? It's, it's turning around. It's full circle. You know, the, the stars are lining up 
where what's in the darkness brought out to light. And yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, I feel bad for the, the actual victims. I checked into their stories and, and just what they had to deal with, you know, and let me just put this out there. When you are getting a massage, there is no guarantee and, and, it, and don't believe what the attorney's saying for a happy ending where it's not against the law. In a lot of cases, it is against the law. Okay. Not all massage parlors are like that. You know, you're getting a massage. It is a profession. Yes. Do some of them do shady stuff? Yeah, but not all of them. So don't go into yeah. all these massage places thinking they all do the same thing. That's not the case. Yeah, I'd say it's probably not not that I know this firsthand, but it's probably not a high percentage that actually do uh what he of course was uh was out there uh, out there doing of course. Uh so um yeah, that's just that's a big thing too is you know, you put yourself in a position where you've compromised your integrity and that's really what he is so unfortunately that's really what he has done and now he kind of wants to it seems like based on some of the um things that I've read into that he kind of wants to use the, the attorney to kind of hide behind now and not really answer for what's happened, which is unfortunate too. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of athlete that I not really a big fan of regardless of their talent is now they've, they're not even apologetic. You know, they're, they're just like, Hey, I thought this was normal. And they're kind of playing it off. Like they didn't know any better, which is really unfortunate too. And it's a bad example to set for younger generations, um, which are going to be guys that are going to look up to people like him. So, yeah, it, to your point, that's, it's really despicable. And like you said, his attorney is making some really foolish comments, too. And he's, you know, all the comments are being directed to the attorney who's making foolish comments. And, you know, Deshaun Watson has lost all respect for me. And not only that, when I've gotten massages myself, I'm using myself as an example, the people that I've gotten massages from have been professional. They have not been trying to do any fainty stuff. It said right on the top of the paper, no happy endings, right at the top. <laughs> it says right at the top of the paper, and they take your information. And I've, I've gotten massages by females who I thought was attractive and some that I didn't think was so attractive. But at the end of the day, it's the quality of massage. In fact, the best massage is one that I didn't think was attractive because she did the best best work. And it's a profession, and if you came with some nonsense like that with one of those people I've gotten with, you would have gotten locked up too. So it yeah. is a profession, and I really feel bad for the people who had to deal with, with that with that on the other side of what the son Watson was doing. Yeah, it really definitely is uh, definitely is awful, unfortunately. So, so great show again here tonight, Alan. Uh, definitely glad to have our good buddy, uh, Lou, who had joined us right at the top of the show, as I mentioned before, want to thank our excellent sponsor, Chef G's Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Uh, anything else you want to add here this evening? Yeah, on the, the boxing, I did want to say congratulations to Devin Haney for winning his bout. You know, he did win a unanimous decision, as I, I basically did predict. It went according to pretty much what I saw. It was 80 80-20 rule, probably maybe 90-10 rule, but I did want to say that, um, yes, it wasn't probably the most exciting fight, but, you know, boxing is, is science, and sometimes it, it can be a little boring, but David Haney, congratulations to him for winning, 
I did uh, want to say that they were saying that this fight was so lopsided, should they have a rematch? And I would say, you know what, it was a contract in the contract. If if they did want to have a rematch and the networks are willing to put it on, go right ahead. But I, I just think that the only shot that George Cambosis has to win if they did have a rematch is if Devin Haney didn't train and basically didn't take it serious and if he caught him with a fury of shots. But outside of that, it's going to be pretty much the same thing over again. I, If I had a vote, I would say no, I wouldn't want to see the fight again. But at the same token, it's in the rematch clause. So if they do have a rematch, because I cover boxing, I would be watching it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it'd be a great uh, great rematch to see too. So hopefully that does happen. Exactly. So definitely I see both sides. But yeah, if you ever want to talk about boxing or any other sports, make sure you save our number at 516-418-5572. And 516-418-5572. We're always on Fridays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. And we really want to appreciate all the likes and comments that we've been getting on our page. We've noticed that and definitely really appreciate all of our fans. Absolutely. So for Lou and for Alan, this is Aaron. We're signing off here tonight, and we'll see you all back here again 930 next uh, Friday for another great episode or another great uh, show on the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.